Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey Iz. I missed you so much. (laughs) I missed you so much. And what a week for you to be back and Jen Shada plead guilty. Oh my God. (laughs) You guys, this is so wild. This comes a week before her trial is about to start. Jen Shada changes her plea that she had initially entered as not guilty to guilty. She'll be sentenced November 28th. And I mean, we are talking a lot of money here. She's going to have to pay $16 million. We're talking around 11 to 14 years in prison. Could be more, could be less. It's a huge deal. This is absolutely wild because she changed her plea. Every part of this is absolutely insane. And I feel like we all are kind of on the same page where we felt like there had to be at least part of this whole story and these accusations that were true. But she was such a denier and almost so believable in everything that she said that it really did shift your perspective. So now for her to full on be admitting these things and to read the transcripts of the conversations of her fully outright admitting things she did and these crimes, it's just, it's literally such a mind fuck. It's absolutely wild. Just as a reminder, in case anyone briefly forgot what she did, quote, Jennifer Shaw was a key participant in a nationwide scheme that targeted elderly, vulnerable victims. These victims were sold false promises of financial security, but instead Shaw and her co-conspirators defrauded them out of their savings and left them with nothing to show for it. U.S. Attorney Damian Williams said in a statement Monday, quote, this office is committed to rooting out these schemes, whatever form they take. And in the description, I'm going to put a link to the exact transcript of the conversation between her and the judge where you can really see her admitting bullet for bullet what she did. And this is wild. I mean, we're not talking about some petty crime here. It's just, I don't even know where to begin with my thought process of this. I guess number one, and I think what most people have come to me because 
this story is one of those that has crossed into full mainstream. Like my dad is seeing it on CNN and saying, I saw that housewife pled guilty. This is crazy. So people are coming to me and being like, what's the deal? This is crazy. And I, the number one thing is, why do you go on a TV show when you are doing shady, dirty shit. And it's not even because your skeletons will come out. Uh, What I think, and honestly, what I've learned from seeing all of these housewives or even just celebrities or reality stars go to court is that the court then uses you to make an example because they know that there's so many eyeballs on this. So for someone so fresh, it's not like she's been on the show for decades and then started doing shady shit and it was sort of part of her life. She was so narcissistic and almost in denial of her own bullshit that she came on the show and thought, I'm going to be glam. I'm going to show off all my money and no one will ever catch me. Well, it just goes to show you how addicting fame is. I mean, she put her desire to be famous above the logical thought process of maybe this isn't the best move to put myself on reality TV as someone who spends exorbitant amounts of money while I know I'm engaging in all of this illegal behavior. It's narcissism, it's a desire for fame, and it's a major false sense of invincibility. By the way, I know this is not the point, but I just think a kind of funny side plot to this whole thing is that she was in New York with Heather and Meredith And literally hours before she changed her plea to guilty, Meredith had posted on her story and said, for those of you who may not know this, I live in the United States of America. In the US, one has a right to a trial and is presumed innocent until proven guilty. Because she was getting a lot of shit for being with Jen in a role that seemed to be kind of supportive. And then this comes out. Let me tell you, I think Heather and Meredith were probably floored that Jen did this. I genuinely do not believe there is a world in which Meredith would post that story knowing what was about to happen. No, I would do anything to just be a fly on the wall when they found that out. And I know we did already get to be a fly on the wall the first time when Jen got arrested, basically. So I don't want to be greedy, but come on. This is just a story that keeps getting more unbelievable as time goes on. And back to just everything with Jen, I feel in a very twisted way, she is like, kind of loving all of this attention and spotlight. Like I think through all of the heartbreak and I'm sure it's awful with her husband and her kids and the prospect that she might be spending a lot of time in jail. I think there's a part of her that's checking the articles and seeing that she's making it in the top headlines of Forbes and CNN and NBC and Variety and New York Times and like these huge big publications and not sense of pride, but definitely like, whoa, this is like, you know, I'm an important deal here. Listen, not to undermine the legitimate fear that I'm sure she's experiencing and above anything else, just as a mother, I'm sure she's, you know, fearful for her kids to have their mom go to prison. That's obviously not something anyone wants to experience. But I am sure that somewhere in the back of her mind, or maybe even the front of her mind, she's in bed, she's scrolling through Twitter at night, and she's loving the fact that she is the top trending search on Twitter, no matter what the context is. I genuinely think her level of narcissism runs that deep. Yeah. I feel like it's hitting a certain spot of her brain that's like getting a little bit of a high off of how much of an international groundbreaking story this is. And Andy's commenting on his podcast and it's trending and it's just, you know, it's like, it's really, it's really something. Obviously this is just a theory, but I just feel like it, it aligns with everything we know about her and everything that's happened so far. Not to mention she put on one hell of a performance last season. I mean, 
Even the slightest mention of this saga would put her in tears, and she was committed to just proving her innocence no matter what. So now for this to come out, I think the other interesting thing, which of course is the least important of all of it, but it really does feel like there was a line drawn in the sand. Because if you would have told us last season that Meredith and Heather would have been the two in New York with Jen, we would have told you you were crazy. I mean, Meredith wouldn't even mention her name. Like The way that this has all come about is just so bizarre. It's so bizarre. And honestly, I feel like now if we rewatched last season and and really watch it now with the knowledge that Jen knows that she's lying. I mean, performance is the best way to put it. Like she is literally going to take over for Leah Michelle in Funny Girl after her run because her <laughs> acting is like out of control, right? Like I think we watched knowing and having a hunch that she was really putting on some show and laying it on thick. But now if we watched knowing for real, for real, that she knows, like, I know that, you know, like that you're, you know, that we're all not like on the same page here, but like, imagine now how it would feel to watch it back. It's the performance of a lifetime because she's not subtle about it. It's not like someone who has a secret or is trying to lie or cover something up and they're almost being like chill about it. She really, she took this and fucking ran. She ran. I'm telling you, I don't think there was a world in which she thought she would ever have to enter a guilty plea. It's that same narcissism, invincibility. She never thought she'd be here. The, you know, I think what happens a lot of times, specifically with housewives, is because so much of their life needs to be performative and so many of these fights are dramatized and, you know, there are instances they don't really care about that all of a sudden they're putting so much emphasis on. I think they sometimes lose sight of the reality in even non-televised events. And I really think she started viewing her life as a reality show, kind of as this large chess game. I just think that she was really out of touch with the fact that at the end of the day, the Southern District of New York doesn't give a shit who you are. <laughs> right. Like it's it's a real wake-up call. I mean, by the way, remember when Stuart pleaded guilty and we were all like, holy shit? <laughs> this is like, you ain't seen nothing yet. I know. And a lot of things, I was reading so much about it because it's like, it's confusing. Like I'm not a lawyer and I would love Kim Kardashian to sit me down and walk me through it. But what I was seeing was like part of the strategy of pleading guilty is that now I guess Stuart doesn't have to testify against her or that there's some, there's a lot more than just like her actually being guilty. Like this is a strategic move because I think if she had continued to fight it, so much more could have come out and it could have been, if you can imagine, even worse. But God, what do you think Sharif is thinking right now? Like, what do you think is the status of what what's going on in the household right now? I don't know. I, I can't imagine it's good because, you know, that's the real question, which I don't know, maybe naive to ask, but I really am curious. Has she been lying to him this whole time? Don't you wonder that? I do because I think her like lying abilities and narcissism and also belief of her own bullshit runs that deep that she wouldn't even want to admit it to her own husband. And I also feel like from the very little that we've been able to see of their relationship, I wouldn't put it past her that that would be something they'd be able to do. Oh, you're saying for her to lie and for him to believe it? 
Yeah, not even for him to necessarily fully believe it, but for him to just sort of say, okay, if that's what you're telling me, then I'm going to choose to believe it. But I'm saying, I just feel like the structure of their relationship and also her personality as a whole, it all leads me to believe that that is a very, very big possibility. Oh, I could see a world in which he even just slightly questioned her about it in a non-accusatory way, and she blew off the handle, almost to the point where it ended up with him apologizing for even questioning it. I, I, I don't know if that's legit. You know, who's to say? Maybe he knew all about this. I just don't foresee that being the case, but who knows? There also could be more dynamics of her not wanting him to be involved because then he could be sort of swept up in the legal issues of it and and in the scam. Maybe he did know and they'd never spoke about it. It was sort of like an unspoken thing because here these women are in a group on a TV show. They've known her for five fucking seconds and they already are saying, why won't Jen tell us what her job is? How does she afford all of these things? Why does she have this many assistants? Like all these weird questions. And we as viewers, I've never met Jen Shaw and we immediately started putting pieces together of like, hmm, this is this is definitely interesting. So I just don't feel like her husband who lives with her and knows the in and outs of their finances would have no idea that something weird is going on. Right. But the entire way she operates is like, you cannot even question her about that because, yeah. you know, it, it, I don't know. I have Do you so- think they'll stay together? Like, I don't know, honestly, because to me, I'm looking at the situation. I'm like, Sharif, what is in it for you? I understand you have beautiful children together, but you can raise and support those kids separately. I mean, I don't know. I guess my view on this is warped. I haven't been married to her for all of these years. They were together on the come up. I'm sure he views her far more kindly than we as the audience does, but I don't see what is in it for him at this point. I, I know it's like, you know, that's not what you sign up for when you get married to someone, but to me, if he really had no idea or if he was far more in the dark than one would expect him to be, that's grounds for divorce just as is. I mean, you're mar- <laughs> you're you're with someone whose morality is far lower than what you ever could have anticipated it to be. This season, everything is going to be a wild fucking ride. There, even the women's social media for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be watching like a hawk. Well, they're filming now. I, I mean, what what is going to – how could this top the van scene? But that's what I'm saying. You think that Lisa Barlow calling her seven lawyers in the van was a big deal? You just wait. Oh my God. Hushy shit. Yeah. And let me tell you, I'm no Mary Cosby fan, but how badly do I wish Mary Cosby had a confessional for this fucking plea? Oh my God. They should just bring her back for like a one and done. Just just for her two cents. And then in the height of all of this, clearly this is far lower stakes. There's the false rumor that started circulating about Tamara and Alexis Bellino coming back for next season of OC, <laughs> which like then ended up being not true. But I was like, oh my God, Bravo, you're killing me today. Emma sent me that, literally so excited. So I'm like, hmm, haven't seen that anywhere else. I start doing a little research and I'm like, I really hate to burst your bubble. I do not want to be the bearer of bad news, but I have something to tell you. Isabel sends me a voice note. She's like, I hate to break it to you. It's bullshit. I'm watching Tamara on Ultimate Girlship. And I said this to you last week. She is so good at what she does. She's such a good housewife. Call me crazy. I'm in for her and Vicky together. You want to bring them back as a package deal? Sure. I disagree with everything Vicky stands for. Fine. Twist my arm. For OC, the only way is up at this point. So like, sure, throw, throw it at the wall and see what sticks. You know what else is good news though? 
that Jen and Noelle are off. That Jen and Noelle are off. And also, Ultimate Girls Trip Season 3 casting is fucking amazing. And it got even better today because Tinsley is out and Portia is in. Yes, that was huge. I mean, let me read you the whole cast. So it's Portia and then Giselle, Candice, Heather, Whitney, Alexia, Marisol, and Leah. I love Ultimate Girls Trip. I think it's the best formula. I think it's very hard to mess up. Look, will every season be as amazing as this season has been? Probably not. But I just love it. It's fresh. It's new. It's so funny. It's completely different than the Housewives format, which I really appreciate. And I think we all like the brain break. And just what Bravo and Peacock has been doing is really, really, really working. It is working. Like whatever you are. Yeah. I am buying what you are selling. (laughs) It's my my favorite show. It's my favorite hour of television. Even this week. I know we said we were going to start with Beverly Hills, but can we start with Ultimate Girls Trip? Yeah, sure. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics Mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the Viral Turquoise Tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies.
I want to talk about the breakfast because it was basically just a moment where every single person had the chance to air their Dorinda grievances. And even to take it a step further, I genuinely felt like this was less gossiping and more of a group validation session. It was almost like everybody was giving each other permission to admit that they're genuinely hurt by the Dorinda thing and that they are rattled by it to a point where like it can't continue. It didn't just feel like your next morning shit talking or your next morning debrief. It was like, wait, are you guys kind of shell-shocked by her? Because me too. And I didn't know if I was allowed to say it until right now. Well, yes, because either everyone has individually felt the impact. So it is personal to them. But also like, let's say they didn't like directly get the wrath of Dorinda or directly get in a fight with her. They're guests in her home. So therefore it sort of trickles down and ends up affecting them in a different way than if they had just been like at a dinner or something or on a vacation somewhere else. It's like, even someone who is not fighting with her, like Phaedra, let's say she hasn't had an actual like face-to-face altercation back and forth with Dorinda, but she's still feeling the wrath of it. And she's still feeling sort of the weight of Dorinda's actions and behavior coming down on her because she's a guest in her home. And because this is such a close group and everything affects everybody right now. So the group discussion element was totally warranted. And honestly, felt like it needed to happen to get it back on track. Yeah. I mean, they were coming to the collective realization that there's power in numbers. That's what was happening. It was literally like the troops were assembling. a coup in her own home. But seriously, it was kind of like, guys, you know, we got it. We got to stand up to her. I mean, you see, and I was talking about this with Ryan last week, Dorinda at her worst is a very legitimate bully, a messy one at that, but a very legitimate bully. And I genuinely felt like it was the kids that have been so tired of being stuffed into lockers. And they're like, we're standing up to her. You know, we're coming to school the next day and we're saying this isn't going to happen. That was Brandy Glanville with her eye patches. Right. Saying like, we don't need to live like this anymore. And this is something that maybe her other cast members or maybe her friends or maybe even going on quote, pause from the show hasn't gotten through to her. But here we are fresh sets of eyes experiencing this on our own for the first time with not a lot of outside noise. I mean, obviously preconceived notions. And obviously if anyone has watched the show before, they know some things, but I feel like they felt a unique opportunity to almost have this breakthrough with her. I mean, spoiler alert, they don't really, but I think the, the, inspiration that they felt in the morning of like, we can do this. And like, this is our moment to help our friend Dorinda was, it was definitely something. I felt like in the background, Eye of the Tiger was playing softly. When Brandy turned to Tamara and was like, this has to stop, you know, and they all kind of were rising up. I mean, and then, you know, I have to say that in Dorinda's confessional this week, it was the rarest moment of self-reflection and kind of self-awareness where she was like, I am really embarrassed. And you could see she was feeling a sense of embarrassment. She tried to handle it head on, didn't really work because I think she expected she was going to get a little bit more grace than she did, which at that point, I am all for giving someone grace. But when you are the number one person who removes any grace from anyone else, you can't expect to get it back so freely. Also, just the confessional thing and her being vulnerable and admitting that she felt like embarrassed and felt regret for how she had acted. I think when she's with like the group of New York women, they're so comfortable and she almost doesn't care what they think. None of them do. You know, it's sort of like when you've been around for a while and there's not this sort of like power struggle or dynamic, you don't really give a fuck what they think. Whereas these women are like new and she 
puts their opinions higher up on a pedestal. So for them to all of a sudden have these thoughts after five days staying in her home, she's like, oh my God, who am I? And I think, look, it's really frustrating because I want her to always win. And I really like Dorinda. I think she's entertaining and belongs on television. But I also think that these sort of circumstances are not really healthy for her. I just, there has to be a way, like I'm just cheering her on because I want her to watch this back and see how she gets in these predicaments. But like we've seen this time and time again, and I I don't know, it's really, it's really hard to watch. Dorinda has a lot of anger and, you know, it's amplified by the alcohol, but it exists with or without the alcohol. And I think that, you know, it's just a lot of, a lot of stuff that needs to be resolved. And yeah. it just, yeah, this, the whole blue stone matter thing was a, a major power trip. I yeah. mean, I, I almost felt like they were having this moment where they remembered we don't have to be here. Like, yeah, technically yeah. they did because they're filming the show, but it's almost like you want to look at Dorinda and be like, yes, I understand we're on a show. We have to stay in this house. But if you're mean enough, we can up and leave. I genuinely feel like she forgot for a moment that she was not in utter complete control of every aspect of their lives. As if you don't yell at these people enough, they're going to say, fuck you and get up and and get a hotel somewhere else in the Berkshires. And also these women, like all the whole group have nothing to owe each other once these eight days are over. Whereas when you're filming with your own franchise, like whether you've pre-established relationships or you know that you'll all be returning to the show in some capacity and you have to show your face at the reunion or next season, you kind of care. You're playing the long game here. You're making sure that you keep these connections and you stay kind of on everyone's good side or you say what you really want to say and you get really comfortable versus these women. Like this is eight days. If friendships blossom from the show, that is great. But like they're not there to make friends. So if everyone leaves hating Dorinda, it's no skin off their back. Like they don't care. It's not like they're losing a friend. It's just like they didn't gain one and now they've seen someone's true colors. So I just feel like it's such a tricky situation because you have such a short amount of time to get people to like care about you and see you in a good way and make a good impression. And if you don't, you're kind of fucked. Yeah. Also, I was thinking this episode, bold of Dorinda to repeatedly say about Brandy, mouth of a serpent. Not that she's necessarily wrong, but one, talk about pot calling the kettle black. And second of all, when you look at it, specifically watching this episode, at the end of the day, even if in the moment Brandy's words are potentially more biting, she's so much more harmless than Dorinda. Really, when it comes down to it, Brandy just gets bored and likes to stir shit up. She's not going for the kill in the same way that Dorinda is. She retaliates, but it's 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 not as malicious as I feel Dorinda can be at times. By the way, I'm sorry, I have to switch gears for a second. You and I have not spoken about this yet. Do you know what I'm going to say? Oh, I know what you're going to say. Oh, Denise Richards. Yes. Okay, you guys. In this moment when they're talking about the Denise Richards thing, and Tamara says that she believes Brandy because at BravoCon, which was, what, two years ago now, Denise was hitting on her and was trying to get her to come to her hotel room and all that stuff. I, this, I feel like that TikTok sound, we have been sitting on that information for literally two years. <laughs> not not to say we 100% knew, but you remember at the time, it was yeah. pretty much told to us on very, very good authority that that exact thing was going on. And we've just been sitting on it, feeling like it wasn't necessarily our place to say it. And when Tamara said it, my jaw dropped to the floor. I was like, she is not lying because I'm going to tell you something. I heard about this two years ago in even more detail than she said it there. And uh, 
that's legit. I mean, allegedly, that is legit. Also, I forgot because not I didn't forget, but it makes sense because I've had that and it has always influenced my opinion on what I thought happened or didn't happen. And I I feel bad for Denise again. Like this just brings up old feelings of how we felt throughout the whole season of feeling so bad for Denise and wanting to just like put everything, the toothpaste back in the tube kind of thing. But what a bombshell for Tamara to drop. Like that is why you are a fucking legend, Tamara. Like to bring that out, give your own personal experience, talk about your friendship with Denise, how Denise called you, adding all this context. Like, you know, Brandy is sitting there literally just jaw dropped. This story that's been going around in circles around her and Denise for years now, for Tamara all of a sudden drop these bombs and add all this context. I mean, best night of Brandy's life. But that's what I'm saying. I mean, whether or not you think it was fucked up of Brandy to divulge this, and if it's someone's secret, they need to keep it. All that stuff can be fine. At the same time, when there's smoke, there's fire. Like, (laughs) there's just no way that this is the hill that Brandy's going to die on if something didn't happen. So yeah, I think for her, she was probably like, wow, I can't believe I came into this in a full-blown Twitter war with Tamara, and now she's my savior. Yeah. No, I, I mean, even when Tamara's like, oh, she called me and Brandy's like, oh, I didn't realize you guys were friends. And she's like, oh, no, let me just tell you 10 more amazing things and add clues to your story. No, I mean, when Tamara said that, it was the best moment of that Brandy had thus far. And she said it in her confessional, like, wow, Tamara, you really saved me with that one. Don't get me wrong. I knew this logically wasn't going to happen, but there was a moment when I was like, okay, the combination of the tequila, them already having a great night, Brandy just being so enamored with Tamara in this moment and so appreciative to her for sharing this piece of information, plus the conversation about who everybody would get with. I was like, not the craziest thing in the world that Tamara would end up in Brandy's bed for the evening. Oh, no. I, I honestly thought it was like a given and Vicky would just pretend to not want to be involved but would be peeking through the door to just say that she got a glimpse. Yeah. Vicky's the kind where she's like, I don't really want to be involved. However, Brandy, if you happen to film yourself having sex, I'd like to watch it. Right. And I'll pretend and deny until I die that I never saw yeah. it. Right. But like also be taking notes. Yes, Exactly. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'm not saying that Brandy's delivery is always, you know, the smoothest necessarily. And even if it's not your style fully in terms of kind of just how like brash she can be, I still think for somebody that puts off that they're as reserved as Vicky, it can be really fun and really liberating to be in the presence of someone who just has such freedom associated with sex. Yeah. Because for, for Vicky, it's still kind of taboo. Like clearly she enjoys it, but she still feels that it's taboo to talk about. So then to be in the presence of a woman who is so shameless, I think for Vicky, she's probably like, you know what? I could use a little bit more of this in my life. Again, this is why this group dynamic is just a 10 out of 10. There will never be another dynamic like this. Like I know we just <laughs> talked about season three. This is This is the ultimate. This is the ultimate, ultimate. Also, I just got to tell you right now, Phaedra Parks. Funniest person in the world. Queen of my life. Of my life. I mean, and I was glad the Tamara kind of took her aside and tried to get a little bit deeper with her, which wasn't that successful necessarily. And I think that that's just a part of Phaedra's personality. Like she really does value privacy and knows the value that she can bring to the group and her value isn't necessarily in vulnerability. It's in calmness and how 
level-headed she is and her ability to kind of bring everyone together. But God, she's so, she's just such good TV. I just want like hours of her just talking, talking about what she's eating, talking about what she's watching. I want her to commentate on other things. I want her to host Fashion Police. I want her to host every, I just, I love her. She is such a unique combination of being so entertaining, yet also so calming. Like I'd watch her because I'm interested, but also because I am just completely in a trance when she talks. Like I'm mesmerized by her. When she was doing the prayer at the winery, I was just thinking like literally get you a girl who can do both. I know. I was also thinking, you know, <laughs> here I am like very Jewish and I'm crossing myself listening to her. I'm like, oh, yeah, you she sold, you sold me. me. She yeah, converted. converted, converted. Okay, you want to do Beverly Hills? Yeah, let's get into these other episodes. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada for example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not gonna say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're gonna lose it. And he was so right, like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you wanna learn a new language completely, wanna brush up your skills, whatever it is, I wanna tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you wanna learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. I have never seen camaraderie in the way that I have seen the Bravo community ban around the fact that we cannot stand Diana Jenkins collectively. Yeah, it's it's actually 
crazy. I mean, she it is to the point where like her scenes were popping up and I felt myself going, oh no. For a woman that has all of the makings on paper to be an exceptional housewife, it is almost impressive how unfavorable she is. Do you know how bad your personality has to be for you to be this unlikable on Real Housewives but have that clothing collection and those amount of Birkins and famous friends and live in that house? Like, it's almost unheard of. Like, you have to literally try. I'm blown away. I saw this tweet tonight that I actually wanted to read. It was from David Kane, and it said – it was talking about this scene with her and Sutton, and it said, the scene proves Diana's really not cut out for housewives. She's taken two relatively small incidents with Sutton and Garcelle as excuses to completely disengage from both, a fundamentally implausible and unsustainable move for a show that shoots 20 episodes each season. And it's exactly that. It's like – Nobody's saying that you're not allowed to have your specific issues with a person. That's quite literally what this entire show and this entire franchise and concept of reality TV is made up of. But you are not allowed in the first or second episode to write someone off for the entire season for a minor incident. It doesn't work like that. But she feels that she's so above everything in every other aspect of her life that she can't even, I don't think, understand the concept that like you have to work through things in order to not only remain a valuable contribution to the show, but also just like a compassionate human being. That scene with her and Sutton was just the cherry on top. I was already over it throughout the whole episode. I thought it was pretty bad. But that lunch was, honestly, if I didn't have to come on here as my job and recap it and have seen it, I I would have turned it off. I thought it was so cringy, so uncomfortable. And you know what? For two girls, I think I speak for both of us who have not loved Sutton through and through. This made Sutton look like the most composed, level-headed, like making sense woman that I've ever seen. Because in comparison and contrast to Diana sitting there who is so lacking emotion and communication and just like challenging in the most fucking annoying way, Sutton came out looking like a goddamn star. Oh my God. The, the Sutton's story arc in, in terms of my perception is wild. I really, I came on here, what, a few weeks ago and I was like, please, I want someone to explain it to me because I feel like I'm missing something and I'm really, really starting to get it. Yeah. I mean- yeah. It's almost like Diana has a very legitimate purpose on the show if her sole goal was to do scenes with people to then make them more likable. Right. I mean, honestly, when she said, if you're looking for a new villain, here I am. Like, yeah, you did that. You did that. And you will live in infamy for being the one season wonder who was so intolerable and had all the makings to be a really interesting housewife. But completely fucking blew it. (laughs) But this is what I was saying to Ryan last week. I do not understand. You have more money than God. This is the last thing you need. You have a newborn. You're embarking on this new phase of your life. Like you do not need an entire army of Bravo fans in your DMs. Like it's just, what, what possesses someone to do this show when they need it so little is it's still so confusing to me. And I get it. I understand. It's like potentially boredom or it's such deep narcissism that you can't even envision a world in which you wouldn't be received favorably. Like I understand all of those things, but to me, I'm like, why would you even want to take the time to have to film? I know, but think about it in like a, a little bit of a middle ground. I love a housewife who 
doesn't have to be there. So they go and they get like mildly invested. So for someone like her who everything is is not riding on this, it's not her life. She's not obsessed with being a housewife. She could go and like not give a fuck about Sutton and just be there, be glamorous, like give her two cents. Obviously be shady. You need personality. But she didn't have to go this fucking hard. And it's just so – oh, like I, I'm just – I'm so over it. I'm so ready to like just – move on from her because she really brings the energy down. When everybody really, really could not stand Teddy Mellencamp. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I agree. She's pretty boring, but it feels like the punishment didn't necessarily yeah. fit the crime. Like to me, I'm like, that is the energy that Diana is receiving. But for Diana, it feels warranted. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Erica. I mean, a lot. <laughs> it's just a lot. I have to say, actually, to her credit, we can start here. Positive, peak and pit. Her ownership when Garcelle brought up the incident with her sons at the party was probably the best one I've ever seen, definitely from her, but in a really long time just from Housewives. That is the exact response when you make a comment like Garcelle did and you know what you're looking for, that's exactly what you want back. Like I think it was so good that even Garcelle was a little bit taken aback of like, oh, wow, you understand it was inappropriate. You regret it. You explained to me how we got to where we are. You understand that I'm disrespected and you are agreeing with my points. Okay, great. That was, that was pretty easy. Well, there was no room for debate here. The way that Erica handled that was objectively so wrong. But also, I think what we were seeing here, which is very, very rare for Erica, is she was embarrassed. You know, aside from the fact that knowing she fucked up, she was genuinely embarrassed. And one, embarrassment is a very disorienting emotion. But second of all, when you're Erica and your entire brand exists on shamelessness and not feeling embarrassed, when you do something that actually warrants legitimate embarrassment and then cherry on top of that is that it's to Garcelle, who's like the last person you want to behave like this in front of because she's such a straight shooter and she takes no bullshit and she's just such a class act in every way. It's like, I just think that's what we were seeing from Erica. It was like, wow, I've never really seen Erica Girardi embarrassed before. I guess this is what it looks like. I know, but I think she was embarrassed, but she was not drawing the correlation that it was like a drinking thing. Like, I think she just viewed it as an isolated incident. And again, kind of like what Kyle keeps saying, that she was just letting her hair down and have fun. And that, I think, is what the red flag was, mostly to Garcelle, was her ability to recognize what she did was wrong and how she got there and whatever, but not like a little bit further of like, well, why is this happening? You know, it's never happened before. Oh, she's not there yet. I think that yeah. any acknowledgement of that would be really overwhelming for her. And we saw that here. I mean, even the whole situation with Garcelle and Kyle, I felt that Kyle's reaction was really off because Garcelle wasn't saying, I believe Erica to be an alcoholic. It's that Those words never came out of her mouth. She was saying, we've now seen a behavior that seems to be a slightly repeated pattern. And I just think as her friends, it's worthy of a potential discussion that this could lead to something. Right. And, you know, typically I appreciate Kyle's really reactive facial expressions. Like I, I think it kind of adds to the show. But here I just felt like it was so dramatic for a point that was coming from like a very good place by Garcelle. She wasn't saying it for a storyline. No, she wasn't. She was saying it because that's why she was concerned. She was saying it because 
not because she's against Erica having fun or she thinks Erica's doing something crazy, but because she knows how people get from point A to point B. And she's like, look, this is what a lot of people wish when they get to point B they had done during point A. And let's just have a conversation about it. And I understand how for Kyle, it's such a personal issue and such like almost a triggering thing for her. And also Erica is like her friend that she wants to protect. But I think Garcelle had nothing but good intentions and also honestly was giving really good advice. Yeah. I mean, I think it was a situation where Kyle probably subconsciously personalized the entire thing because obviously she's had a lot of really traumatic experiences regarding people in her life that have dealt with alcoholism. And it kind of goes, I guess, one of two ways. Either you really embrace the conversation because you want to avoid it, or even the thought of it is so triggering and you really want to make sure you're not calling it out unless it's like glaring you in the face. But I, I, yeah, no, this was, this was not Kyle's best, which I feel like I mean, listen, same way we came into this season being really unsure of Sutton and now we're moving on. I mean, like we actually get the Sutton thing. We came into this Kyle stands and I'm still a really big fan of Kyle, but in the last few episodes, I'm definitely becoming more aware with how she's handled things incorrectly. And I'm not like afraid to to say that. Yeah, no, you definitely could see cracks in people and that's okay. That's kind of like the beauty of the show, I guess, but Yeah, this was just – I mean, I have to say my favorite part of the whole episode was when they were on Sutton's Bumble and they were FaceTiming one of her matches. Like, that is the fun energy we need. We need a lot more moments like that because it reminds you that, like, they actually like each other instead of, like, okay, let's all sit down and pick apart everything we fucking hate and everything you guys said wrong and then we finish our glass of wine and we leave. Yeah. No, no, no. I know. That that was a good one. I also really hope that Cherie comes back next season. Yes. Oh my God. She's given us a lot in like three scenes. Can I tell you something that is like maybe an unpopular opinion? What? When I was watching Brandy on Ultimate Girls Trip, I was like, all right, I know she's never coming back as Beverly Hills housewife. I know she's not even coming back as a friend of, but you know what? We could throw Brandy Glanville in for like a few scenes next season just to so just to mix pie. things up. Yeah, just to stir things just up. Just to keep it interesting. No, what, you, do you think I'm like totally wrong for that? I don't know. Imagine Sutton and Brandy Glanville in the same room. Or honestly, Garcelle and Brandy. God. I, I mean, anyone in Brandy. Like, that is why she's still, she's still kicking. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. 
For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Okay, so I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pink screens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And we all know, like, I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them the Fry family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic non-stick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com, promo code CBC. Did you have on your bingo card that OG Lisa Wu and newbie Sonia would be getting into it at Chateau Chiray? Because I sure as hell did not. Is that what they mean when they say the metaverse? Because that yes. is what my metaverse looks like. <laughs> but specifically at Chateau Chiray in pajamas. Record scratch freeze frame. How did we end up here? <laughs> I know, I know. Also drunk Kenya. Marlo's right. I mean, Marlo was saying it in a very shady way, but drunk Kenya is so much fun. Drunk Kenya is what we need drunk Erica to be. Just like yes. a little less. Like that is the definition of we're having fun. We're letting our hair down. We're being shady, but we're not causing catastrophic drama and we're not worrying our friends and we're not mixing with prescription medication. You know, no. like I just feel like this is this is the good, this is the good balance that we have going on here. And Kenya was cracking me up. This whole party was actually like, aside from some of the screaming, really, really fun and funny. Well, the other thing about Kenya is that in addition to just kind of being this very carefree version of herself and being objectively hilarious, she also moved the plot along because she told Drew about the background check. Like In her drunken state, she was like, I'm still going to get this piece of information out, which then I got to tell you something. Okay. I have said since the beginning, it's not even that I dislike Drew. I'm actually a fan of hers. When she's in her confessionals, I find her really likable, but I I don't believe a word that comes out of her mouth. Like, like there's just no, I'm not saying that her assistant's not Danielle. I'm sure that her assistant really is Danielle, but I also would not be the slightest bit surprised if Ralph had one, if not multiple aliases, some potentially named Danielle. I mean, they, they can't keep a story straight to save their lives. It's almost the way I feel about Dorinda too, is with Drew. Like one minute I'm watching this person and I'm like, you are it. You are literally the blueprint. You're funny. You're witty. You're giving me it. Like we're on the same page. We are. We see each other. Like fully. You get it. And then I see you, the same person, in the next scene, and I, it's like, are you even like, what's going on here? Like you are not you, and this is not something's going on here. And with Drew, it's like 
she is literally two people in that way. It's like like Drew in her confessional would watch Drew on the show like saying things and be like, is this girl kidding me? It's crazy. But then it's only intensified by Ralph because his entire- Fucking Ralph. Right. But I'm saying like his entire existence, if she's choosing actively to stay with him, of course she has to operate under a certain level of delusion because if not, then she has to accept the reality that she's married to like potentially one of the biggest douchebags to ever grace housewives. Ralph is the epitome of my favorite TikTok sound at the moment, which I've been sending you like our inside joke ones. The Abby Lee Miller sound of, I go home, I want to have a relaxing even, and all of a sudden I hear this agitating, grating voice. That's Ralph fucking popping up on my screen. That is Ralph. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm like, get that off of my screen. You have to. I'm like, you get off of my screen, you misogynist. And by <sighs> the way, like, I just want to take his ass to Tampa and be like, show me where. Yeah. Literally show me where. Yeah. Yeah, Show me where. Oh, oh, other thing I wanted to mention, a few things. First of all, I felt so vindicated on Candy's behalf when she's having the conversation with Marlo because it really just went to show how last week with the conversation in the sauna, Marlo didn't really have any legitimacy to her argument about Candy not being a good friend because if she really did feel that way as strongly as she claimed to, there's no way that she would be pulling Candy aside and talking to her about this very intimate and heartbreaking matter with her nephews. You can feel like what things are really real and also like what they kind of have to pad to to make the the plot look go along. Absolutely. But again, as we know in present day, there's some really legitimate shit between Marlo and Candy. So I keep saying this, but I just feel like somewhere along the line it's gonna get really, really bad. And we saw it in the midseason trailer. Yeah, it's gonna be ugh, like I'm like a little scared it's gonna get like too sad and real and also like on Marlo's first season. I don't know. It, it feels like a lot to handle. I know. I know. Southern Charm this week, anticlimactic, but I can tell we're going to get there. We're just not there at the moment. There's a lot of moving parts. I feel like I'm bing bonging all over the place here, but my favorite moment of this episode was seeing Austin and Craig together. You know what? I was- say, <laughs> say whatever the fuck you want. They are better together. And not only were they just being so cute, falling back into their old best friend ways, like everyone's happier when the two of them are getting along. They are so fucking hot. I was going to say, like, they're not only better together, they're also taller together. Like, yes. like I just guaranteed when there's a scene with Austin and Craig, Esbo will text me something very dirty, like 100% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> and I get I can't it. Help it. No, you don't have to help it. I so get it. I'm like, I would not want to date you, but God, do I love watching you play golf? Oh, fuck me up. I know, fuck me up. Again, not to date, but like, just to I, look at. Just to maybe not, touch. I was gonna say, not just to look at. Like, just to have. Yeah. Call me crazy. I would do a one night wild ride with Austin where we go like multiple times and just get super drunk. Like a really off brand thing. You go to visit Charleston, you know, just for fun. And you're like, you know what? I'm just going to leave my morals at home. I I don't know. Call me crazy. I think, and maybe it's not something I want to put on mic, but I am like, I think there are worse ideas. You don't got to tell me twice. Yeah, definitely don't got to tell me twice. What do you think about the Catherine conversation at the dinner? I mean, I, we didn't really get to see it. Obviously, this episode was just a lead up, but between her and Naomi. Oh, the tensions are so high and it's like, 
I don't even know where I fall. Like, it's like almost like you don't even know what you're fighting about anymore. It just feels like years and years of not liking each other or having like little, little things. And this is like the straw that's breaking the camel's back. Yeah. I I just understand Vanita's general confusion about how one should be approaching Catherine because she just feels like, I don't know, she just feels like maybe the last person I would ever want to have a conversation with. Or an issue with. <laughs> or an issue with. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I'm I, not saying that Catherine's a bad person necessarily. I don't know her to, to make that assertion. I just find her to be pretty unlikable. Yes. Even in the conversations with Caleb, which is like, what an unsustainable dynamic. It just feels like a lot of drama. It's always a lot. It's just heavy drama. Like, you know, I just want to be like, Catherine, lighten up, girl. I think that what happens when so much of your life goes in that direction, you do start to become a little bit addicted to it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like how, how they say, you know, once you start to tell yourself a story, you start to really believe that story about yourself. I feel like for Catherine, she's just like, I thrive in chaos. And it's like, but you don't have to thrive in chaos. Yeah. Yeah. Like everything doesn't need to be like this big over the top Shakespeare. Like just like be chill, figure it out, call him. Yeah. I don't know. She just doesn't do it for me. <laughs> She doesn't. I can't help it. <laughs> wow. What, uh, what else do you want to say? Anything else going on? I think that's it. I just, I'm so happy to be back. I mean, what a fucking crazy week. Who knows what next week will hold? I think next week is the finale of Ultimate Girls Trip, which is going to be very depressing. But I am excited to see what the future holds for us. Yeah. As I'm looking at this outline, just final last thing, this photo of Jen Shaw and that red Gucci. It's like, to me, even if you don't want to part with your designer bag to go to the the trial, I, I get it. Like, I'm, I'm not going to tell you what to wear, but do a Bottega. You know, a red Gucci just feels like so in the face of the judge. It's like, let me show you the victim's money and, and put it on myself. Like, it's a little more understated. I mean- Take note from Alexis Nyers. Wear the brown BB kitten heels. Just for one hour, you can take off the Gucci. You know, it's like, I feel like she would say like, well, I don't own anything else. I get it, yeah. Anyway, we love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so excited for Monday to talk about Chloe and Tristan. We'll see you then. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. Let's talk about baby making for a second, because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.